This is Corey Gray and Tony Stewart from Hairdistry. Thank you for tuning in to the Hairdressers Podcast. Now here's a word from our sponsors. Hi, I'm Morgan, and I'm the owner of Jade Beauty Co. in the Chicago suburbs. I have used Schedulicity for the last four years of my business, and I cannot say enough good things about it. Not only does it work perfect for my salon and all the features and options that they offer, but the way that Schedulicity has handled the COVID-19 crisis has just been amazing. And for salon owners or any small business It has really taken one less thing off my very heavy plate right now, and I cannot say enough good things. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, everyone. My name is Jerry Natuno, CEO and founder of Schedulicity, and we're proud to bring you this amazing podcast. My name is Corey, and of course, I'm sitting with my boy, Tony. What up? What's up, brother? Uh, so much. I'm so... I say it all the time. We all say it, but it, it's true. Like, like what we've done with this platform is that we've, 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 we've created a place to spotlight our industry, and, and I think... I'm just so grateful that, that, that we have enough of a platform where we can kind of spotlight and, and celebrate. I think the word is celebrate. We can celebrate our industry. Yeah, like, you know what? Not only celebrate them, but really to, to create really cool friendships you know, that like, is the truth yeah definitely really connect with with just because we're all in this thing you know what i mean and to be able to connect with with a lot of people like this i mean it's even with our listeners it just it's it's an amazing place it is it's an amazing amazing industry and and i'm just I, honestly just so grateful to be a part of it so uh a little backstory so um rest in peace our our boy Curtis, um, our boy Curtis was actually the one that introduced us to our guest today. And we were in New York at the, I forget what they call it now, but the New York, it was IBS then. This was a couple years ago. So I think this was 2019. So, or two, yeah, 2019, it was, it was, it was March of 2019. Um, we're walking through the floor at IBS. We're walking with Curtis and our, our guest today was actually on the stage and she jumped off the stage to give us hugs. And I thought, I just felt like, this is the coolest like person in the industry. Yeah. And, and, and this person is like one of those, like if you follow her, no, her on, <laughs> on, okay. on Instagram, you know, you have, you have people who do great work, but then you have the few that, that are truly artists. Like, I mean, you know, we could say like Rob original, right? Everybody looks forward to his post. Cause it's something crazy. You know what I mean? Or, um, pigment you know what i mean like because you know it's, what painting she's going to do next this person is on that level as far as artistic uh, i 
I think I think what you're trying to say is like there's artists on the industry and then there's artists that everybody wants to work with. And she's one of the artists that everybody wants to work with because her her art is so unique. It's ridiculous. Dude. It's ridiculous. You know, so every time she has a new uh, post or something, you know what I mean? Because it'll pop up on my screen. Now, Patty, just when uh, uh, right, I, I go to it immediately because I, I want to see what she's done next. No better words. Yeah. So, uh, Tony, let the back cat out of the bag a little bit. Uh, today, we're talking to Patty Plymeyer. I think I got it right that time. Um, uh, but you probably know her as Queen of the South 512. Um, Patty does the most ridiculous, awesome braids. Um, and if you're not following her, trust you're going to want to check it out. It, it ain't what you think. It ain't your mama's braids. Nah. It's, <laughs> you know, it's, it, <laughs> right? It's, it, it, it's just on a whole new level. Definitely. And, and and the thing that I say every single time that I see Patty post is like, where's her vision? Because I don't see it. And she, I don't I don't see how she sees it, you know? Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't know where to begin. So exactly. So let's, let's find out. Should we find out? Yeah. Well, let's also let's also mention that 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 she brings great light to the industry, too, because it's not a kinder, kinder, sweeter soul as well. You know, so she's as sweet as she is talented. And she just. Got that close to seeing the light. So we'll talk about that later, <laughs> yeah. too. So, uh, <laughs> definitely. All right. So, let's get in. So, uh, Miss Patty Plymeyer, welcome to your day off. Oh, hey, y'all. Thank you so much for having me. So, so much for having me. How are y'all? Awesome, man. Blast. And, and like Corey said uh, uh, during the intro, it, we are huge fans and we love, love, love you. And thank you so much for joining us. Oh, yeah, I'm a huge fan. What do you mean? So thank you so much for having me. I think that the feeling is so reciprocated, like how y'all felt about me was how I felt about y'all, you know, so like, I'm just as excited to be here. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, Patty, where, um, where'd you grow up? Uh, so I was born in Dallas, Texas, but I grew up in Mexico in Cuernavaca, Morelos. Yeah, yeah, I don't even. Yeah, what? What? It's it's like it's like two and a half hours south of Mexico City. Oh, okay. So it's it's actually in Mexico. It's not like a border town. No, 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 no. Yeah, it's Mexico. Usually, Mexico, you hear Mexico. the stories reverse, right? Usually, I was born in Mexico and yeah, then I grew up yeah. in Texas, but not you yeah, were born in yeah. So I was, yeah, I was, yeah, I was I was born here in the United States. Grew up in Mexico. My dad uh, is American, born here in the United States, and my mom is Mexican, born in Mexico. So when they divorced, um, my mom raised me in Mexico, and my brother. Uh, he went to Mexico with us for like three months, but he just didn't adjust. Um, it was just really hard for him, uh, just like culturally and everything. He was uh, younger too. Uh, so he came back to the United States and my dad raised him here and my mom raised me in Mexico. How old were you when you went to Mexico? I was seven. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I, I actually didn't speak Spanish. Um, I like I taught myself how to read in Spanish and I understood a lot of Spanish, but we didn't speak Spanish in the home. Um, it was purely English. And all of my mom's family, like 95% of them still lived in Mexico. So I didn't in we moved a lot. My, my dad was like constantly kind of uh, 
going up with the corporate ladder, so to speak. So it was a lot of like job changes and then moving. And so like wherever they told him we would move, we would move. And that happened, you know, like every five, six months. So like I went to a lot of schools, not like a lot of like uh, roots anywhere. And we lived like a very like English speaking life. So yeah, when I went to Mexico, it was like a complete culture shock, just a, just a life shock. But I always had felt more aligned with like my Mexican side culturally. And I always, yeah, it was just more, I felt more aligned. So as hard as it was, so to speak, like in parentheses hard <laughs> to move to another country, it felt natural, I guess you could say. Um, so it took, it took me like three months being in Mexico to uh, be able to read, write and speak Spanish. And then I think it was like by the fifth month, I was in something that's called the Escolta. So what that is, is that um, the people who have the best grades, uh, I don't remember if it's six or seven people, I think it's six, um, who have the best grades, they hold the Mexican flag during the, like the national anthem, so to speak, ceremony. So I was a part of that, not even half a year into living in Mexico. So that was like a big deal for my mom. She was so proud and, you know, so yeah. Were you, so were you, and then, be, were you able to have like dual citizenship? Yeah. So that was during the time that the dual citizenship was offered. Um, so me and my brother both uh, are dual citizens, citizens here of the United States and, and Mexican citizens as well. That's awesome. Cause I was going to yeah. ask you, yeah. you know, you said your brother was there for three months and he left. Were you able to, to, to stay close or have a relationship with your dad and, and your brother or. I mean, uh, it, it was like, yes and no, because I mean, it was such an, an interesting time, I think for us as a family. Um, I think him and my mom went through so much and it was, uh, the things that happened were were so like profound and so strong um, that I think the distance that separated us made it, this might sound terrible, but it almost made it easy to live without one another. Easier, not easy, but easier because we were so far, you know, and it was just literally like a whole nother life. So, I mean, I think that we did... Uh, a decent enough job of, of keeping in touch with one another. Um, but I also was at a place that, you know, I, I was young and I didn't truly understand what was going on. So I blamed my pops pretty much for everything. You know, I, I felt like, you know, I needed to be like my mother's protector. And so that led to me having like a lot of, uh, um, what's the word in English, uh, like uh, resentments. I had a lot of resentments to him. So that also kept me from um, looking for uh, that relationship and really trying to nurture it. I just didn't have real interest in it. So that also made it easier to just kind of 
out of sight, out of mind. And I only say that for myself. I'm sure for him, it was tremendously harder, you know, but, but for me, where I was as a kid and growing up then, that's kind of how I felt and saw it at the time. It was just me and my mom. Did you kind of like make an enemy out of him? And maybe that was part of the healing process too. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Because I mean, I felt like I, I, I was so young, you know, and I think so many of us go through situations at home that, and don't get me wrong, my parents are amazing people and they raised me with, with values and morals and, and it didn't matter whatever they had going on. They made it very clear to me and my brother, what was right and what was wrong, you know, and that we needed to treat people well. And, you know, so they, but we all go through our things personally, you know, and just because they were my parents didn't mean that they didn't have their own personal life going on. You know what I'm saying? And we don't understand that as kids so many times, you know, until we become adults and we go through everything that life throws at us. And then you're like, or at least for me, I think about it because I don't have kids and I'm like, man, I can't imagine going through all the stuff I already go through in life and then add two kids and, and, and a, and a partner. And an ex-partner? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so did you so, grow, off, pr- yeah. grow up pretty well off in Mexico? Um, so I, we were really well off here in the United States. My dad did a really good job of just working his ass off. And uh, like I said, really trying to move up the corporate ladder um, in the business world and, and make a name for himself. So we were really well taken care of here in the United States. Um, when we went to Mexico, I mean life changed a lot, you know, um, but my mom, she did so well to make sure that we were good. Um, it was just a completely different life. Uh, that's what I was going to ask you because, you know, like your mom and dad together, y'all built this great life here in the States. And then sometimes with, you know, I know with my mom, you know, she was a single mom. It super humbled me. me. Yeah. It super humbled me. And, 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 you know, she 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 was on welfare we grew up really really poor and you know just because she was trying to raise two kids three kids on her own and 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 it was so hard for her and so i'm i'm imagining where you know uh you know your mom takes you to mexico and you know but you already had so many so much family there which was great it's not like she was going there by herself but how hard was it for her but if, you know, it sounds like, you know, she already had things set up for you guys, which was amazing. She, we, we, we went to my uncle's house, you know, that I think was the beautiful thing of going to Mexico is that she knew that she had a support system there. So she knew that, you know, leaving my dad financially, everything was going to change. And we were, you know, we went to Mexico with two suitcases. That was it, you know. And when when we were here in the United States, we had a two story house, you know, and and both my parents had cars, and you know, we I I was like super spoiled. I got toys that I wanted, and I loved books, and you know, like I remember going to Barnes and Noble and like getting like three, four books at a time, you know, and you think about that back then. And it's like, that's you're spending like a hundred dollars to get your kid four books at Barnes and Noble, you know? So like I, I had everything I could have possibly ever wanted, you know? Um, but I think where we were again, as a, just as a family, 
my mom made the choice that, you know, the, the, um, family aspect and the support aspect and the love aspect of the choice she was making was going to be so much greater than what we had financially, the, the financial security that we had here. Does it, you, you speak of family and how close your family is. Corey can uh, uh, attest to this where, you know, we grew up rough and hard, but the family dynamic of my family is is so unlike most. Uh, and it's funny because when we, when we when people come into my family, even friends or whatever, they become family. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, for sure. The for family sure. dynamic is so strong. Yeah, yeah. with Tony's yeah. family, um, cousins are friends and friends are cousins. Yeah, no, exactly. You know, and I think that's what really... And, and and that's played out in my whole life. And and I think I've carried that with me through life because, you know, you would think that the times that would be considered the hardest, or at least for me in my, in my personal life, which was moving to another country and like starting over because we, we started over, you know, um, Not only um, culture shock, but got lifestyle shock too. But. Oh yeah. You know, but my mom, she did such a good job of, of loving me. You know what I mean? And and my family uh, always showed so much love that it's like, you know, I didn't care that we lived with my uncle in an extra room. I was so grateful. You know what I mean? He and, you know, like they would take turns, like giving us rides places, you know, and taking me to school until it got to the time that my mom could get a car, you know? And I remember, oh, it was like, it, it was such a big deal. You know, it was so cool. I remember when we got our car, it was, I think it was like a, a 92 Altima and it was like this dark blue and yeah, it was, it, it was, yeah. And um, yeah, you know, and 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 so and and things just progressively got better, you know. After after I think it was like a year and a half or something, you know, we we got this really nice like uh, I guess you could call it a house, kind of like these newer, um, longer like they're real. They're not wide at all. They're 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 like homes, but they're real real like skinny and tall, kind of like a room on top of a room, so to speak. Um, but, how a townhouse um, but, is built. It, it, okay, exactly like that. It was a townhouse, yeah. And um, and yeah, I mean, I have really, really good memories. It, it was definitely hard, you know, like not having uh, a father in Mexico, you know, because um, culturally, uh, religion is a big part of how you live life in Mexico, you know, and uh, religiously, usually it's Catholic, you know, and um a big thing for catholics is to you know live in a home with both parents and the children and divorce isn't something that is like or at least at that time in mexico it wasn't something that was openly accepted you know and so here comes this new person who's talking about oh i have a dad and a brother in the united states and you know like oh like nobody believed that you know, it's like a kid telling a tall tale so, <laughs> right. that, so that they sound they sound a little like cooler or so they get accepted. Like nobody believed that. So they just assumed that my mom, you know, was the type of woman 
to either not be able to keep a marriage or not be able to keep the father of her child around. And, you know, I was also different in my thoughts and my perceptions. And, and so, yeah, it made it hard, like making friends, you know, a lot of kids, their parents didn't want them like coming to my house, you know, or like hanging out with me. And I've always been kind of more of a loner too. So, uh, you know, that was the hard part of Mexico for me was the, the not fitting in, you know, uh, making friends, but I started playing soccer. I joined the soccer team and that changed like everything for me because then I got like a small, like circle of friends, you know, we liked the same thing. We played soccer together. We went to school together. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was all in all, one of the best experiences of my life that I'm super grateful for. You know, I got to, I got to humble myself with breaking my knuckles on washboards, you know, like ripping my knuckles up and, you know, going to the well to get water, you know, and going to the Ordeña to milk the cows, you know, and my yeah, teaching me how to make cheese and butter and cream, you know, and, and, I don't eat meat anymore, but or dairy, but like showing me how to kill a chicken and to take, you know, boil it and take the feathers off. Like I got to live such a different life, you know, and I'm just so Not grateful. Not only did she go to Mexico, grateful. but she went back to 1900 too. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I mean, like one of the most beautiful things was like, I remember at my Tia and Tio's house, my aunt and uncle's house, you know, you woke up in the morning to the sound of the, the horse uh, shoes on the, and it was still cobblestone. It wasn't like paved road. It was cobblestone road. So like certain things that, that I'm so grateful that I got that experience because how many people get to say that, you know what I mean? Like it's, it, it gave me the ability to see duality, you know, and the gratitude that comes from that. Like we have indoor plumbing. Okay. Like washers and dryers and like, air conditioning, things that I think sometimes we forget how truly blessed we are because we get used to it. It's just the norm. It's, you know, it's it's funny that you, it's funny that you brought up air conditioning because like, you know, air conditioning is only like a generation and a half invention. Right. (laughs) But it's funny to hear how people are like, Oh, I can't go to work. There's no air conditioner. This cool. Or the kids get called out of school because it's too hot or, or whatever. And I'm always like, how have we evolved for a hundred thousand years without air yeah, conditioner? Yeah. And now like within one generation, we're like, nah, I can't drive that car. There's no air conditioning in it. Yeah. Right? Well, because I feel like in the United States, that's like a real thing because you don't go to Mexico and hear that. You know, I just got back from Puerto Rico and you don't even, you know, you don't hear that. Like, it's just, uh, I don't know. And, and that's why, again, I'm very grateful that I got that experience, especially so young. Because I think it really allowed me to be able to look at things from both perspectives, you know, because I've had the opportunity to live. I really, I feel like my whole life I've had the opportunity to live in a very privileged way, you know, because I've had love and 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 so much, you know, but but I feel truly privileged to know how living both ways, so to speak, you know, living in a privileged monetary way and living in a way that on a financial level, we had to really humble ourselves, you know, and, and 
it was hard, but it was so worth it, you know? So I've gotten to live both of those. And a lot of people don't get that opportunity. It's either or, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, you know, and you so. truly got to, to, to live both citizenship. So did, did your brother ever come to visit while you were growing up or vice versa? Did you go, come back to Texas and visit or no? I came one time. Yeah, I came once. But but no, he didn't come. Uh, it was really hard for him. Just everything was hard for him. You know, uh, uh, it's just me and him and everything that we went through leading up to my parents deciding to leave each other was a lot. And I kind of always went out of my, cause he was so young. He's uh, almost exactly three years younger than me. So he was always so young with, with everything that like, I always was kind of like the little mama bear, even though I was young too. <laughs> so like, I always tried to like, make sure that he never saw any of that, you know? And so I, I think it was just, it was just really, really hard for him. He just, it just wasn't something. And like being away from my dad, I think that was hard for him too. Um, and I think they just bonded on that, like that father, son, like both dudes, you know what I'm saying? And like me and my mom, we it just, the two females, we just kind of split like that, you know? And I, it, it was an interesting dynamic how it happened. And it definitely took years after that to, to mend those relationships and those bonds, but you know, Thankfully for us as a family unit, we've done that really well. You know, we have a super blended family now. My, my pops is remarried. Um, my brother, he's married. Uh, they had their first son and his wife's family is very, very blended. It's, it's, it's really been positive. You know, we've grown and learned I think from all of the experiences from when we were younger and the picture that was painted from that is who we get to be now and the relationships that we have now. And we're strong and we're solid and we love each other a lot, you know? That's awesome. When did, um, when did you make it back to the States? I came back right before I turned 14. It was like, uh, like a month or a couple of weeks before I turned 14. Yeah. And it was a seven year visit. Yes. And we, uh, we hadn't even planned to come back to the United States like that. Uh, there was, uh, some like guerrilla warfare, uh, going on at the time where we lived in Mexico coming up from like the Southern tip of Mexico. And they were coming up um, like into more the middle portion of Mexico. And uh, it, it was, his, his name was Marcos. And, uh, you know, I think it was all cartel related, you know, but it was before it was such big news, like here in the United States. But anyways, they would go in and like rob people, you know, and take everything. And if, people were home, they were raping and killing the women. Um, and so I came home from school one day and my mom had been gone as well. And they had come in and, you know, they had, they had come into our house and, and stole and they had left everything that they didn't take lined up at the front door. Um, so my mom 
you know, obviously freaked out, you know, and she called my dad and she told him, she was like, Hey, um, like we're coming back to the United States. And, and, and it was just that fast. But I mean, that's how it was when we moved, you know, it, it was just one of those things that um, something happened and we had to make a fast choice. And by the next week we were back in the United States. And the family that you left behind, everybody was good. Everybody was safe. Yeah. Um, you know, my family has had some incidents, but uh, all in all, where we are today, we're all good, you know? Um, so it's just Mexico is a different life. Mexico is a different life. So that's another, another, I think, reason that I'm so grateful for the ability to like call the United States home, you know, and because all in all, through everything that we go through, we're incredibly privileged to live here, you know, and we have so much. And by so much, I mean so much freedom. I know right now in these times, for so many people, it might not feel that way. You know what I mean? And I, I understand that and I respect it. And I, I would never try to take away from how anybody else feels or perceives things. But we are truly so privileged here because in Mexico, there's none of that. There's absolutely none of that, you know, and anything can be taken from you. Anything. My family, all of their land that where I was telling you with my tia and tío, that, that all got taken. They came and they took that. You know what I mean? And they, they gave them a, a tiny little payout that was more a slap in the face than anything, you know? And there's nothing you can do about that. There's absolutely nothing because what are they going to do? You know? So again, that would never happen here in the United States like that. And so super grateful that I had that experience so that I can sit here and be able to say how grateful I am that we get that. So. You are tr the true American as far as you see exactly what we are supposed to be. Right. Which is pretty amazing. You know what I mean? You, is I mean, awesome. I know that we're, I like, I know we're broken in so many ways, you know what I'm saying? But like in that aspect right there, we're so privileged and I'm so grateful. So. No doubt. Awesome. Well, we're, we're, we're privileged and grateful to have you. So. No, oh, I'm super grateful to be here. Y'all. <laughs> I love her y'all. Hey, hey you, you know, I'm from Texas. <laughs> <laughs> so 14, how was the transition back? Oh man. Uh, if we're just going to keep it raw and 100, it was terrible. Uh, it was terrible. I was super naive, though. You know, I was a, I was a 13, almost 14-year-old girl who uh, all in all got good grades and played soccer and listened to my mom for the most part. Like, yeah, I smoked a couple cigarettes here and there and drank a couple of, like, rum and Cokes. Cubas, you know, but in Mexico, it was different because it's like drinking with your family is it's culturally accepted. You know, they make you a little drink, you know, they're like, oh, here, you know, or, or you light the cigarette for your uncle or for your mom. You know, you go buy them those cigarettes. You go buy the liquor at the store. It's just culturally different, you know, so. When I came here to the United States. But, you know, States, pa Patty, it wasn't that much different because when I was a kid, we did the same thing. Yeah, you know? no, but here in the United States, 
they were like partying. Like, I mean, it was like, yeah, like, I mean, like, yeah, no, I mean, like, because again, I wasn't really like going out and doing things like that with my friends in Mexico. I didn't really have many friends like that. So when I came here to the United States, I wanted to be accepted so badly that like, I just looked for the kids who spoke Spanish because that's what I knew, you know? And where we moved here, the kids that I pretty much like reached out to, you know, like the first like week and a half I was here, I got into a fight. You know, like, I mean, it was like, but, but I knew that if, if I was down and I, and I proved that, that those people were going to like ride with me, that they were going to be my friends. They were going to have my back too. So as messed up as it was like my logic and my thinking, I craved that so bad, especially Mexico was the only true stability I felt like I had growing up because we moved so much. I went to like 13 different schools. You know, so so I, I moved from that to coming back culture shock again to the United States. So, you know, immediately I kind of fell into, you know, drugs and not going to school. And I got a job real early. My first job was at McDonald's, you know, getting paid under the table. And then uh, what was it? Taco Bell, you know, and it got to the point that I was skipping school to work double shifts, things like that. You know, I didn't think that I needed school, you know, and I got uh, got into a little bit of a, of a drug habit, you know, um, and I was real young. And oh, uh, me and my, my pops, we didn't have a relationship. I was, I was angry. You know, I was angry at my mom for bringing me back to the United States. I was just, you know, I was like an angry teenager. <laughs> like a rebel without a cause, I guess you could say. <laughs> Most teenagers are angry without a cause, you know. And yeah, you know. So um, to stack you um, up. You had lots of cause, right? Well, so, so uh, yeah. You were yeah. talking about school. There's one school that I want to talk about, and that's hair school. How, how'd you find yeah. hair school yeah. and, and all that and and all that and and also like. Did you go to hair school? Did you go to barbering school? And did you know that you wanted to be a barber? And you're the most confusing barber ever. Okay, so um, I actually, I knew I wanted to do hair since I was younger, actually. I was introduced to hair when I lived in Atlanta before we moved to Mexico. I was introduced to braids, um, like like cornrow braids that I was just intrigued by. Um, and so as the time progressed, I would just like practice on whatever family would let me, whatever friends would let me. Um, and then came back to the United States still, you know, even in my mess would mess with people's hair. Um, at 16, I got sent to a place called, uh, Cross Creek programs in Laverkin, Utah. Um, which was a, uh, pretty much like a troubled youth school. Um, I was there for 18 months. Um, yeah, so uh, I, I don't know if y'all have heard <laughs> uh, Paris Hilton. She did this like um, documentary or like tell all about like some school she had been sent to. Uh, well, the place that I was sent to was similar to that place. They, they were shut down for different child abuse things and 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 things like that yeah oh yeah it was a that I'm like that's a whole nother story though <laughs> and uh, but while I was there they also would let me braid hair 
Um, so I occasionally got to like touch other kids there and braid hair because we weren't allowed to touch each other. And then I got out of there uh, three, four months before I turned 18 um, and started getting into trouble, uh, actually started getting locked up a lot. Um, and so part of the being locked up, I figured out that I could make some money by braiding hair. Um, so that was one of a couple of things like writing poems and like translating letters from English to Spanish that like I would get money. Um, they say commissary, like money on your books. And so when I finally left that life behind, <laughs> I came home, you know, and I had just come home. I was 23. Um, and during this time, me and my pops had like rekindled our relationship because I thought that I was going to be gone for quite a bit longer than I was. Um, and so I kind of bit the bullet, swallowed my pride, called him. He answered. Long story short, we decided to work on our relationship. So I came home and swallowed my pride again because I was big on like never asking him for anything because I was so angry all those years growing up. You know, I didn't want to feel like I owed him anything. Um, but, you know, swallowed my pride on that one because uh, I, I knew I couldn't keep living this life I had been living. You know, I knew it was going to kill me. Like, I'm just, it, it is what it is. Like, I knew it was going to kill me. Either that or I was going to end up locked up for, for like ever. Um, so I asked him if he would financially help me go to school. You know, I, I didn't, I didn't have anything and I didn't have really anything to fall back on. You know, I hadn't done anything for myself. I hadn't made anything for myself. And luckily he told me that he would. And I asked him if I could finally go to beauty school because I had wanted to go to barber school, but there was a two year wait. We only had one barber school in the city at the time, Roffler. Um, and obviously I didn't have two years. And after years and years of telling me that doing hair was like stupid, that there's no way I was gonna do that. There was no money in that. I couldn't support myself, all of this. I think he just was really hoping that like, this would save me, you know? And it did, he, it did, you know? He, he told me that he would and I went to beauty school. It's amazing to me as you tell the story, and I'm going to fill in some blanks here, so you're allowed to like shut me down if it's not. If it's oh, not. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, I mean, you come back to the U.S. at 14. You, you admit that you're you're kind of a pain in the ass. Um, you know, so much of a pain in the ass that, that that you spent time at like juvie, and then when you get out of juvie, you repay it by by getting locked up a few times. And like, you know, I know as a parent, like. I know we say that we're always going to be there, but, but, it, but it had to be a hammer on him that like, he's just watching his little girl, like keep getting in trouble, keep getting in trouble, keep getting in trouble. And, yeah. and, you know, yeah. even, even when he sent you to beauty school, I would imagine if I could read his mind for a moment that, that this too was going to be a failure, but, but, yes. but he was going to yeah. do all that he could do to, to, to help you along. I mean, thank God. Unfortunately it wasn't. And, you know, Patty, like, I'm a little scared of you. Like I've never been scared of you, man, before, but, but you're kind of hard. <laughs> No, man, I'm just like a tatted up marshmallow. That's all that is. I just, I've, 
I've 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 lived a lot. You know what I'm saying? I've I've lived a lot. I've I've had the opportunity to really. Uh, I feel really blessed in life that I've gotten to live really low points and really dark moments because it's given me the opportunity to be that much more grateful when moments of of like true light really like descend on my life. You know, and and true just gratitude because like if I didn't know how dark the darkness was, I say this all the time. If, if, if you don't know how dark the darkness can be, how do you know how bright the light really can be? You know what I mean? Like if, if you've never not had, how do you know what you're missing? You know, like so, so it goes hand in hand. I feel like I had to, I, I feel like I had to go without, and I feel like I had to have so much taken from me to really truly be grateful and appreciate what life is and and the beauty that life has to offer and and I'm just yeah I'm grateful for all of my dark moments now do I want to relive them no 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 I'm okay you can leave me here <laughs> you know but but uh yeah I mean I'm just I'm I'm really really grateful for those um, but, you know, um, we teach it like they teach that in business, right? You know, you, you succeed by failing, right? Do you want to fail? No. You know yeah. what I mean? You but do, it's part of the process. It's part but of the those process. failures have made me, you know, and I, I know that I wouldn't be even half of the person that I am today had I not gone through what I went through. And the power that I've been able to find in myself, it's, what keeps me going on a daily basis, you know, because life is going to continue to happen just because you had dark moments in the past. Doesn't mean that those dark moments aren't going to present themselves in some different way, shape or form in the present or in the future, you know, but it's like, you can't sit up here and worry about what's not here. You can just take head on what's coming and, and what is present. And I think that having experienced so many moments like that early on in life, it has allowed me to be able to cope with them as an adult much better and kind of move fluidly and still be able to have gratitude even in the dark moments, because that's what duality is. You know, there's there's positive and negative in everything. There's light and dark in everything. So you're never going to have just something perfect. And if you're waiting for that, like you're always going to be disappointed because it's not realistic. You have to come to terms and accept that there's going to be light with dark and dark with light and it's perception and what we choose to do with it, you know, all right. how you respond. To all, right. all right. So Patty, so everything's going great in your life and then, and then something negative hits you or something and, and you get into that and we all do it, right? We, we get into that, that, that bad mind space. So, you know, what's your practice or, or how do you identify that? Okay, this is it. Or what's your mantra? You know, I, how do you kind of like, if, if those negative thoughts are coming through your head, what's your mantra to kind of push, push past it? I mean, I just remind myself, first of all, I think knowing how to ground yourself is very important. Um, grounding yourself in the moment, grounding yourself in the present, grounding yourself in yourself, period. Um, and for me, every time that like negativity tries to flood me, I try to stop, take a minute, breathe. Breathing's a big thing for me. I, I count a lot in my head. That's just kind of something that brings me back to the current moment, to the present. 
Um, sometimes, you know, you can look at things around you, find five things that are currently going on right now. Like I smell this in the air or I can touch my cat next to me, you know, something that's going to ground you in the current moment that you're in. Um, and then I just remind myself how truly blessed I really am, you know, and I go through, I'll, I'll go through like a list in my mind of the different reasons that I'm grateful. And number one, as corny and cliche as it probably sounds, is that I'm alive. Because what is the opposite of being alive? You know, not. <laughs> so it's like, I'm sure that's a beautiful journey when that comes, but like, I, I'm not ready for that, you know? So, so that in itself, and, and I think again, sometimes we, we forget just how much of a blessing that is, how many people don't wake up in the morning. And again, for other people, it might be different, but that's what works for me, you know? And I remind myself what I came from and the Patty who used to be, you know? And I never dreamed of this life that I've created for myself now, you know? It wasn't even a dream. It wasn't, 30 plus wasn't even something that was in my mind. You know what I mean? Like, and it's crazy to say that and to look back on, but like, I didn't dream like that. That's not how I used to live life. I lived life in a survival way. It was a day to day, you know, I'm glad I made it through the day. Hopefully I make it through tomorrow, you know? And um, you just gotta give thanks to your own personal growth and and the layers that you shed along the way. And it's like, there's always going to be negative, but it's all perception. You know, like I, like I told y'all, I got into a shit accident, like a really freak <laughs> final destination car accident. And they're probably going to total my car out, but I'm sitting here telling y'all about this freak accident, you know, and y'all aren't reading it, you know, in an obituary, you know, or I'm not laying in a hospital bed, like a, you know, a paraplegic, or, or losing my hands, but you know, the function of losing what I love doing most in life, you know, I lost my car. Yeah. Yeah. It sucks, man. It's super inconvenient. But then at the same time, I think about the things that I could have lost, you know? And Hey, Patty, and, I, I want to, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for permission here. Yeah. So uh, last year at Barbacom, we were, when we were hanging out a little bit um, and, you know, get into it as much as you want or, or, or we can edit it out if you want. But um, do you want to share about um, I know you had a really close friend that um, that you kind of lost a few years ago and just kind of how that changed you and, and how that how that kind of um, opened up your light a little bit? Oh, for sure. Um, Sam, uh, his name, his name is Sam. Uh, he was the catalyst of true change, I think, in my life. Um, I've heard on numerous occasions that what really changes a person and opens them up um, to growth and kind of ascension um, is either extreme love or extreme pain. And when I lost Sam, um, it was the most painful situation uh, that I have 
dealt with in, in this life. Um, and he loved me unconditionally. And um, so I feel like in that being said, um, his passing really, really struck me. Um, and he had also reached out to me three months prior um, because at the time I was still drinking. Uh, I am a, I hate to say it like this because I don't, I'm, I don't do like AA or anything like that, but I'm a recovering alcoholic and a recovering pill addict. Um, I say recovering because I, I mean, I guess that's, that's how you would call it, but I, I just stopped, you know? Um, but but yeah, he had reached out to me and um, he had just told me, he was like, you know, man, I can't, I can't see you kill yourself like this. Like, I can't watch you do this. Like, I, I love you too much. Like, you're so much better than this. Like, you got to chill. And we had been through so much. He had just come home. Um, he, he had been locked up for uh, about nine years. And, you know, our, our bond was so strong. Our relationship was so strong. And, um, so when he told me that, I, I kind of didn't even take it seriously. I was like, yeah, okay. Like after everything we've been through, like everything we've rolled out together, like you're gonna talk to me about my drinking. But I mean, that's that's what addicts do. You know, we, we don't realize that we're as bad as we are. Um, and so I pretty much told him that he was tripping and I, I had shit under control. And I wasn't nearly as bad as he was painting the picture. And he said, okay, well, pretty much that he was going to have to love me from a distance because he couldn't support me, um, like, kill myself. And so... Was he working the program? No, um, he was just, he just came home from prison different. You know, he... Uh, he he grew up in prison, you know, he was a baby when he got sent away. I was 17. He was 18, you know? And, um, so he grew up in there and he made the choice. I mean, don't get me wrong. We all do what we do, you know, but he made the conscious choice that when he came home, he was going to be different, you know, cause he had the opportunity to come home. And he was with a lot of people who weren't ever going to have that opportunity. And I think that growing up in that environment and knowing that he did have the ability to come home made him that much hungrier to come home and be positive, you know, because he was always light, but, you know, we, we were, man, we were crazy, you know, it was like Bonnie and Clyde, man, we were crazy, but, <laughs> but um, yeah, no, he just made the conscious decision to be better, you know? And I mean, he drank and did, what he did but but it wasn't like me you know like most people can drink and control it I couldn't you know um so long story short he he told me he was gonna love me from a distance I I took it poorly and was like whatever you know and um three months later I got the phone call that he was in a motorcycle accident and that he had passed away that morning and that was our last conversation so that was really hard for me. Um, it made me have to really sit and look at myself and accept some things about myself. 
not in a victim or like a poor pitiful me way or, oh, I can't believe this or, oh, I'm such a bad person, but in just an acceptance kind of way. And it is what it is. Where do I go from here to make it better? You know, and so I had to accept the fact that I chose my addiction over my best friend. And, um, but I knew that he loved me unconditionally. And I'm so grateful that everybody that we shared in common, all of our family and friends, they continued to remind me that he loved me unconditionally. And he loved me up until the end. And I knew that, you know, but I, I dealt with a certain amount of almost guilt in the beginning. Um, but in all of that being said, and it happening the way it did, I made the conscious choice to change for him. But in changing for him, that transitioned into me changing for myself and growing for myself. And I was able to take the unconditional love that he had for me in this life and learn how to love myself unconditionally in this life. And so I feel like he gave me like the greatest gift, um, which was the unconditional love for myself and the ability to see that I deserved that no matter what. And so uh, I stopped drinking and I stopped popping pills and it has been, it'll be five years in um, February. So congratulations. That story is beautiful. That's, yeah, so he, yeah. yeah, you know, and, and, and I hope, and the way I try to live my life is, you know, the way I felt that he lived his, and that was, you know, he made everybody feel like a somebody and he spread light to everybody who was open to receive it, you know, and we all have that unique ability because we all have a unique light, you know, and it's our choice what we choose to do with that. And I just try to reciprocate that because I feel very, again, blessed and privileged in life that I've gotten to experience true love. I've gotten to experience true reciprocation from people, you know, and some people never get that. And so I try to go out of my way to give that to other people, you know, and just pass that light on. You know, and hopefully we can domino effect and like make a true difference, you know, because if I can bring light to your life and then you can bring light to somebody else's life who's close to you and they do the same, it might not seem like a lot, but it really is, you know. And, and, and we truly see that light because Corey and I, we had on many occasions talked about how when we talk, how, how just the room brights up, how when we talk to you, your smile, just you truly light up, you know, your surroundings. And even when we're in a room and you just see how things just get bright, you know, awesome. So I pull, appreciate that. <laughs> where does the artistic ability comes from? Man, this it's the nut house in my head, y'all. I don't know what to say. <laughs> um, so like I suck at drawing on paper. I wish I could say that I have some like hidden artistic ability and like I can just like Picasso up some stuff, but no, my stick figures are pitiful. Um, I can't sing to save my life. I'd probably shatter glass. Um, 
not even super coordinated, okay? Um, but I'm I'm good at hair. And at, oddly enough, too, I think it kind of ties into I really enjoy numbers. And a lot of how I see my head when I go to braid is almost like a grid or a graph. And that's how in my mind, I break up the sectioning for the braid. So it's almost like I'm doing math in their hair, but without the numbers, more like spaces, if that makes sense. Well, it doesn't make any sense to me, but, but yeah, exactly. (laughs) But, but I also understand that, that, I was watching this documentary about this autistic kid. I'm not whatever, but, but, but his, he had artistic ability and he saw numbers as shapes and colors. So apparently in the brain somewhere, numbers and shapes and colors are, um, are, are really closely like, like geographically in your brain are really close together. So sometimes people get, get cross sparks and they were, so they were uh, that would make sense. I mean, I'm not that cool. I wish I could like make numbers like, colors and spaces, but I, I associate them so I can understand what you're saying because it's a close association for me in my mind when I'm breaking things up. So I, I can definitely see that. And it brings me a sense of like peace, oddly enough. Like when I was sent to that program when I was 16, the only thing that they let us do for like recreation was crochet. And I used to take a lot, a lot of comfort in crocheting. And it's funny because I think crocheting is very similar, the finger movement to what braiding is, you know? And so when I braid, it, it makes me, it it puts me in a comfortable place. I feel aligned in myself when I braid. I feel like I literally am able to push my energy out of my fingertips and it connects with the person who I'm getting to do their hair with their energy almost. And it just fits. It just feels right. The motion of actually braiding. It just brings me happiness. <laughs> you have some people who can paint and draw and you have some people who can uh, like carve or sculpt and that's, you're more like that sculptor, right? I mean, mm-hmm. hands on three dimensional, like, you know, and you create and whittle this little beautiful piece of art and and I just love pushing myself too I'm super like competitive with myself I'm not very competitive with others but I'm very competitive with myself so I like to like push the bar with myself and kind of challenge myself I'm like oh like if I see something that inspires me or that that makes me think of something I'm like hmm how can I do that but better and so, like, I'm constantly trying to push myself to do new things. Like, when I did the the shark braid, you know, like, I saw um, a barber. She had done the shark design with the clippers, and I thought it was so dope. I was like, yo, like, that's fire, you know? And I was like, that'd be mad crazy if I could do that in braids. And I just kind of sat, and I thought about it for a little bit. I thought about it for probably, like, mm, five minutes or so and I was like yeah I gotta try it you know and and it just happened from there and I I looked at her her work and drew the inspiration for my own work and it's a lot of like pivot points too so when I'm sectioning I look at a lot of like the the 
gray space, so to speak, and, and the shading of whatever it is I'm trying to do. And I look at my braid placement and it's a lot of measuring with the tip of my rat tail comb too, because in my mind, I'm trying to make sure that I keep everything proportionate. So it's just a lot of building. As you're explaining this, it reminds me of having a conversation with my son-in-law because he's a, f- a physicist. I have no idea what you're saying. You know, I don't, you, 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 you're talking, I hear you, but it's not, I don't see anything. <laughs> You're like, look, I'm not seeing the vision, all right? Not the <laughs> no, I never. That, that's my one comment about every single one of your posts. I'm like, how in the hell did she get here? How did she see it? <laughs> you know? You can explain yeah, it to yeah. me. I still don't no, get it. Yeah, I still exactly. don't understand. But you, cause you see the great space. You see the things that we don't see. So that's, that's what makes it so, like, wow. Mm-hmm. And, uh. You know, it's amazing to me too. And like Patty will probably, uh, probably correct me, but I don't see anybody else doing it either. Like, I don't see anybody else doing like what Pat, what Patty's doing, um, is braids. I mean, like you, there's a lot of barbers out there that do like hair tattoos and stuff like Rob the original. And then you see all these people that are, that, that, that do stuff like that as well. But I don't, I don't, I haven't seen anything that, that as far as the braid goes. Well, there's, there's definitely, I think there's two or three people off the top of my head that, their stuff is like whoa like it's the it's the type of stuff you know that you look at and you become inspired to do your own off of that because it's like man it's so good um uh natalie styles uh jazz braids and i'm gonna leave it at those two because that's yeah yeah but but like Jazz did a, a, what was it, a bat last year for Halloween that was sick. Like, I mean, just fire. And Natalie's constantly doing things too. But, you know, I think that, I think that with braids being, like having a spotlight more, it's almost giving a lot of us more permission to be more creative um because like for example like i am a barber and a cosmetologist i'm dual licensed um i went to school for both uh but more than not you know people think i'm just a braider because they look at my instagram and they see only braids and and i understand that but i think um for a long time braiders weren't given um as much credit in the beauty industry for their work being art, you know, and the amount of true like work that goes into it, manual work, the hours, the the details, the precision, you know. And so I think that with braids <clears throat> getting that spotlight more, and again, I can really only speak for myself, but it makes me feel empowered and hungry to keep pushing the boundaries of what people have kind of boxed braids in to be, you know? And so I'm excited to see where we all grow from this point, because I think that there's so many other me's, you know, not me exactly, but so many other people who need someone to look at and be like, 
oh, well, if they're doing it, man, like, I don't know what I was scared of doing it for, you know? And I think that in the next year, two years, we're going to see so much more of that because people are, are finding their light, they're finding their power, they're finding their, their essence to stand in. And art is such a true reflection of who we are as individuals. So I think that as we become more confident in ourselves, you're going to see more braids that are more like the braids I do in like the artistic, creative type of way like that, because. Because you're one of very few that's on the show circuit doing what you're doing. You know, because it, and it's so funny. I had no idea that hair could offer the type of life that it has offered me. You know, I thought that in getting to do hair, I was going to get to do something that I didn't hate. You know, I didn't live again, a life that I had these dreams and visions and like that just, that wasn't like a realistic thing. Again, I lived a very day to day. Let me make it through this day. Maybe hustled a little extra money that I put aside, but like, it was nothing concrete in growth, you know, and I was invited to my first show, which was IBS at the time in 2018 by a friend of mine, Andrea. And uh, uh, TG was having a class in, in Soho as well. And she was like, come on, girl, let's go. We'll go to the class. We'll go to the show, you know, like, like just come. And I was like, oh, like, I can't afford it. Like, it's just, it's going to have to wait. I'll go on the next one, da, 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 da. And she was like, you have to come to this. And again, I had never been to a show. I had never experienced anything aside from at the time I was working at the Smart Style in Walmart here in Austin, one of the Walmarts in Austin. Okay. So I had no idea. And so I went to IBS and I went to this class with her. I think it was like a three-day class. And I met you know, Richie and, and, and so many other educators. And, and I met all of these people at IBS and I saw the, the stage and the lights and the energy and the love and the reciprocation and the shared passion that we all had. We were so many people that loved the same thing. And I was just blown away by it. I was just like dumbfounded. And I knew in that moment, I was like, I want hair to be my whole life. Mm. like like I already knew that hair was the thing that like I look forward to most and and I knew that that was what I was making my career and I knew that that's what was paying my bills and I like I, I knew all that but the the dream door so to speak that got opened when I experienced that first show in New York back in 2018 which wasn't even that long ago when I sit and really think about it you know like it was it was crazy. And and we went to the Takara Belmont um, mixer afterwards. And I remember I asked Maddie Conrad, I was like, like, how do you make this your whole life? And he was like, figure out what it is that you have that makes you unique, that makes you you. And just just go with that, grow that, be true to yourself. And and pretty much what's meant for you will be yours. And so I just immersed myself in shows, you know, like, I mean, I financially at the time was not in a place to just be able to pick up and go to shows, but I, you know, I 
paid a couple light bills late, you know, and, you know, pinched here and pinched there and went without a couple of things. And those first like three shows, I complete, I completely paid everything out of pocket, you know, four, first four shows, everything. And just to be able to be a part of the energy that shows words, to be able to meet people and be able to, to have my energy reciprocated with others and talk to folks and learn and take these classes that were offered at these shows. And I just fully immersed myself in what we are as an industry, because I knew that this is what I wanted. And in doing that, man, I, I can only say that it was just the universe doing what the universe does. Cause you know, y'all reciprocated me. I've been so reciprocated by so many people and y'all have been so good to me. So many people have been so good to me. And so I just take that as, you know, the universe telling me that I'm aligned and what it is I'm supposed to be aligned. And I wake up every day and try to go harder than I did yesterday and continue to try to be present for each other, like us as a community, you know, and give as much as I feel like is given to me. And it's just been this like beautiful roller coaster ride that here I am. But it's because I love it, you know, I love it so much that I just I can't imagine my life without the industry. The industry has become my family. The industry is y'all are my friends, my it's yeah, you know. I mean, speaking of friends, I want to speak about a couple of friends that you have. That we all have, that we all have. But uh, can we talk about Amy Lynn and, and Laura Christopher a little bit and talk about uh, Blonding and Beyond? And, and and for those that don't know Blonding and Beyond, first off, I highly recommend that you follow their stuff because yes, they have yes, assembled. Them. They have assembled like the, what do they call that? The, uh, the, the superstars or the, or the, it's like these, all these amazing, it's like, tell me, is it like six artists or eight artists or whatever it I is? it's eight. Yeah, I think we're eight. These eight up-and-coming artists, and all of them, like, blow my mind with their talent. Killers. Killers, exactly. From from Patty to to Pigment to... Johnny Cash. To Johnny Cash <laughs> to, 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 to Jessica Powers to, to Amy to Laura to Josh. To, to, to Josh. Josh, Josh yeah. does the most unbelievable, like, holographic stuff. I mean, it's just... Yeah. What an incredible, yeah. an incredible team that, uh, that, that, that Amy and Laura have put together. And, like, I, we are beyond excited for... I'm kind of... I'm really bummed out for you guys... Um, more so than probably anybody about like this COVID thing because you guys were about to take off take like off, crazy. Take off. Just take off. But it, you know, but again, I'm a true believer that things happen the way they do for a reason. You know, I'm super bummed because I'm actually supposed to be with my Blonding and Beyond family right now um, at an artistic retreat, but because of the car accident on Friday and just everything that kind of came hand in hand with that, I'm not with them. Um, but they're such amazing artists, like just such amazing artists. And I get so much inspiration from every single one of them. And the energy when we're all in a room together is crazy because it's just, it, we feed so much off of one another. And it's, 
like it's like a breath of fresh air like I don't really know how else to put it it's just constantly inspiring you know you I've been able to take so much from every single person whether it be uh, a coloring technique or you know a cutting technique or just an outlook on life you know like they're beautiful people on an artistic level and on a person level and I am so grateful to be a part of Blonding and Beyond it's it's been really, really positive. And yeah, I feel really privileged because when they asked me, I was super surprised. So that's so awesome. All right. Before, before we ask uh, you to tell our listeners how they can find you, what you're up to, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I just want to close this real quick. Cause now that you've, you've gone through hair school, you, your dad helped you. Uh, you've found this uh, new, I mean, not new, but this, this, new found life in, in the shows and just your people and your dad, you know, he was like, okay, uh, you know, I'm going to help you with hair school. Hopefully that saves you. And then, then you were saved a little bit, but now he, now here you are on this whole new level of, of hair life. Do you, what's his response to that? I mean, he's gotta be like, Oh my God, the happiest father in the world. <laughs> oh, um, I actually saw him yesterday and uh, he got to go through the Barbara Evolve magazine. Um, the the one that I'm on the cover and uh, she said cover. She's on the cover of Barbara. Yeah. Evo magazine. <laughs> and it was so cool to watch his face. Um, Cause like, look, man, my boss is a pretty cool dude. You know, he's, he's done a lot for himself in life. He's, he's traveled a lot of places, met a lot of people, just done a lot of cool shit. So he's not an easy one to impress. And he's also not one that's like super emotional about anything, you know? So um, seeing how proud he was and, and is, and, you know, he'll, he'll take moments now and tell me, you know, kind of out of nowhere, like, Hey honey, I just want you to know like how proud I am of you. And and that says so much for me because he's also the type that he's not going to say it if he doesn't mean it. Because when he wasn't proud of me, he was very vocal about not being proud of me. You know what I mean? So um, it was, it, it's, it's been awesome. You know, we have, um, we've grown as people, you know, and we have a beautiful relationship now as individuals, you know, uh, also as daughter and and father but like as two people who truly respect one another and i think we both have watched each other go through these intense ups and downs in both of our lives and at the end of the day we both have kept our heads above water and he his acknowledgement i think in my growth has been one of the most awesome things yeah he's he actually tells me, like I said, that things that I do are like cool or like that certain hair, he, he even says dope here and there, you know, he'll be like, oh yeah, like y'all, like y'all say dope, you know, like, so, so yeah, I mean, if, if anything matters to me more in life, that has probably been one of the greatest gifts that I've gotten the opportunity to experience is, you know, it's, it's a, it's a crazy thing to remember the look of disappointment in your parents' eyes and, and the way, cause I remember, I remember. 
And I, I, I remember the energy and the feeling of what I felt. So I can only imagine what that felt like as a parent, because I'm not a parent, you know what I'm saying? Like, so I can only imagine what that felt like, but to now be able to experience, you know, the smiles and the joy and the pride and he acknowledges me. And then again, that's a lot because he has made a name for himself in like corporate America. He came from nothing in Ohio and takes care of literally my whole family, you know, like single-handedly, like he knows true struggle. He knows true sacrifice. He built everything from the ground up. So to get acknowledgement from someone like that, whether it be your father or not, but even more so it being my father is really fucking cool and really awesome. And I'm so where we started this conversation in the beginning to where we are now, I think this is the perfect ending. You know what I mean? That relationship. So let everybody know what you're up to, how they can keep up with you and find you and all the wonderful things that you're blessing this industry with. Um, so y'all can find me on Instagram, Queen of the South, 512. Um, I'm here, y'all. If y'all ever have questions, if you ever want to reach out anything at all, like, please feel free to shoot me a message. Um, I'm, I'm always open, you know, and I think it's important that we are here for one another, especially during everything that we're going through, you know, and um, yeah, I just keep living life with love and light, you know, and remember that perspective is everything and don't feed what doesn't feed you. You know, your energy is the most important thing. It's the most powerful thing. It's the most beautiful thing that you have. And because of that, you should be aware where you put it, you know, and um, also just remember that anything that's yours is, is yours and it's meant for you. And it doesn't matter where life takes you or how you get there. Just stay aligned with yourself and move in love, move in light and, I hope I get to see y'all soon. I know. Thanks, Patty. I, can, I mean, I can honestly say that, um, you know, whenever whenever we're at a show together, that that that, that Tony and I seek you out. Um, one because you brighten our weekend. Um, you're definitely you're definitely the light that we look for whenever we're at a show. Just because you know we just love your presence so much, and you're so positive all the time, and and just all like, and just so genuine and so nice and so sweet and. Um, you know, you give the best hugs ever. So hopefully we can, uh, we can rediscover <laughs> some of those hugs here in, in the near future. So, you know, I, I recommend everybody that um, if, if Patty's ever in the room or at, ever at a show, you know, make sure that you seek her out because you will only feel better about yourself by, by seeking her out. Unless you see Tony and I coming and get the hell out of the way. Cause we need some of that light too. <laughs> so, uh, you know, if, I love you. If you yeah. see, you know, please, please seek her out. She's amazing. I'm um, very kind and sweet, as you know, because you know now we're at an hour and fifteen, and and, and she's just amazing. Miss uh, Miss Patty uh, Plymeyer, thank, thank you, you genuinely yeah. and sincerely. Thank you very very much for joining us on your day off. Hey, hey, so there it is. Hey, this is a message that um, we've been trying to bring, I don't know, for the last couple of months, actually since we started the podcast. Hey, so if you like the podcast or if you find that it's useful, please, please, please leave us a review, a five-star review on iTunes. Um, leave us a rating and a review. But if you don't like it, 
Forget about it. <laughs> yeah, totally forget about this message. We also want to thank Sarah and Blaine from Pretty Gritty. Uh, Sarah and Blaine, they are a band out of uh, Portland, Oregon, and we just want to thank them very much for allowing us to use their song, Pleased to Meet You, on our podcast. Um, that's cool. I think you can find... Actually, you can. You can find their music on um, on iTunes. Peace and hair grease. Peace and hair grease.